Heads, and welcome to The League, exploring the League of Legends lore from A to Z. My name is Rebecca. And I'm John. My name is Mark. And today we get to talk about the Burning Vengeance brand, who was released April 12th, 2011. So he is almost 10 years old now. We'll have to celebrate his 10-year anniversary when it comes up. By burning shit, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we are to light our houses on fire in honor of Brand's 10-year anniversary. Uh, So on his universe page, he doesn't have much. He just has his bio and then a short story called From the Ashes. This is, I guess, the standard amount of lore we see for everyone, a bio and a short story, although there is apparently a crap ton more that Riot just selected to not put on the universe page. Yeah, slightly less in this one, I'll give them that, but there is still like a whole ass comic where Brand is the antagonist that they decided not to include on the Brand, <laughs> on Brand's page. Yeah, it's it's weird. You said it wasn't linked on the Rise page either, correct? Yeah, it's not on, and Rise is the, the, the main character of the comic, and it's not on his page either. <laughs> and I even double-checked to make sure, like, okay, maybe this is old lore, so, like, they got rid of it because it, it had been retconned, but it's following the new lore, so yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I was going to say, even if it's old, it's it's a pretty cool comic. I think it's worth keeping on there. At least his short story is kind of a long short story, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, it is one of the... So that's something. One of the more detailed ones. (laughs) And providing with more information than just, here's the bio you read, but in a different word. (laughs) Like like when you copy like a wiki entry for an essay, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah, I think this this story in particular, I think, did a really good job. I remember reading, reading the bio... I feel like I had questions or like I had, I was curious about some things like how did this go down and it was like everything that I was curious about in the bio the short story went into more detail and answered which I really appreciated. Yeah, for sure. I re- I really enjoyed it. I guess I'll say right at the outset. I I found myself really enjoying getting into this brand lore. So yeah, um, I was pleasantly surprised. I really didn't... I knew jack shit about Brand, so I was surprised that he's from the fe- uh, the Freljord. I, he's made a fire. I really didn't think he was going to be from there. <laughs> but he is. <laughs> yeah, it seems, <laughs> seems kind of counterintuitive. Yeah, yeah, my brain didn't, didn't go there. I would think a lot of people would be friends with Brand. He'd be so warm to hang out with. <laughs> <laughs> I also didn't know he was tied to Rise uh, so closely, so that was interesting, too. But I will go over the bio the best way I can. Reading my notes, there's a couple of things. One, I can't read my own handwriting sometimes. And two, there were a lot of terms. This is one of those bios that had so many words and people that I'm like, what are you fucking talking about? Like, who is this? What is this word? Which, uh... Riot does a lot. <laughs> but Bran's birth name was Keegan. Like I said, he's from the Freljord. The little village he's from is Re- Regan's Reach? Regan's Reach? I read it as Regan's. R-Y-G-A-N-N. Yes. But... Those look like the letters I wrote down. <laughs> <laughs> he was raised by his mother, who was a healer in their village. His father was, and I'm quoting... Enemy Reaver. I don't know what that is. It's just an invader. <laughs> yeah, there are, um, in Legends of Runeterra, there are a few cards mm-hmm. that use the word Reaver specifically, and they seem to be Winter's Claw, cause, or at least people who talk a lot of shit about Avarosan tribes, so I'm assuming Winter's Claw tribes then. So I think we can assume okay. that he was probably under that umbrella, maybe. Okay, cool. Anyway, <laughs> people in the village didn't uh, like this about Brand, so Brand and his mother were kind of outsiders in their own village. One day, Brand's mother dies, I guess just because she's all frail and weak and the Freljord is harsh and cruel. Uh, Keegan cremates her, and at her funeral, nobody comes to pay respects, despite her being a healer who has probably saved all of their lives at some point. A little harsh. So I don't really blame Keegan when he burns down the village and leaves. <laughs> uh, outside, they mention that he's just kind of like wandering now in the cold, much like Ash. Doesn't run into her, though. Instead, he uh, is found by Rise, who takes him as an apprentice. 
Rise, however, kind of has his own story going on. He's looking for these magical runes that are all real powerful. He finds one, but unfortunately, Keegan grabs it first, despite Rise telling him, no, 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 please don't do that. So he, you know, his soul is kind of destroyed is how it it is phrased. And he becomes engulfed in flames. And he is now Brand, kind of just hunting for more runes now, I guess, to get more powerful. The more end. runes, more power, man. Yeah. Like they say. <laughs> <laughs> Those with the runes make the rules. Like Biggie Small has always said, "Mo runes, mo problems." Yeah, ninety nine problems, but a rune ain't one. How many other rap songs can we <laughs> fit into this? They're not even like good rhymes. They're just like <laughs> they're not at all. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's his bio. How did we feel about it? I mean, I said at the outset, I, I liked it. It. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I felt like even from what's here, I could see how, like, kind of like you said, you can kind of sympathize with him burning down the village, which is a, a strange thing to sympathize with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I could see how he could become a villain in a way that made sense. Um, you know, compare this to Zareth, where Zareth, we had a lot of trouble kind of figuring out how he got to there. And with this, there was a, a very, already a sympathetic kind of core to him mm. and him becoming a villain seems reasonable from the way he's already his upkeep or uh, upbringing is described yeah he's really hated his whole life for you know something that was very out of his control which is it's not something that's unrealistic for a, a village of people to treat him this way if as seeing him as the enemy despite being a child and then we learn uh, and we kind of get a hint of it in the bio but we learn in the story as well that his mother also wasn't very caring and affectionate towards him so he was very much alone i do i i like a sympathetic villain i'm trying to like I wish I would have gone back and, and looked at the champions we've done already. I think, uh, yes, Brand becoming a villain makes a lot of sense for his backstory, and him being sympathetic makes him a really complex villain that it's you like you have to root against him because he's so evil, but it hurts because he had such a hard life. But I would also like Riot to occasionally and maybe we'll see this more later, have a backstory like this where they don't become a villain, where he becomes a hero instead. Because I think instead we're seeing people who have these horrible backgrounds always kind of falling to evil. Am I making sense? Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So I do like the backstory, but yeah. I, th- I was going to say, the little bit that we saw about Sejuani and War Mother, I think might be the closest thing we're getting. We might we've seen of that so far, where her somebody mm. who you know, there's actually kind of a lot of parallels between seemingly her mother and and Brand's mother, and that they're oh, both yeah. very not affectionate in any way. <laughs> um, but Sejuani, while still quite Sejuani's even still kind of quasi villainous, but there's more shades of gray than Brand, who's who's definitely a villain by the <laughs> where he's at now. Yeah. yeah, I would say Ash is probably a good example, actually. Yes, Ash, I th- Ash sure. had a different, yeah. g- difficult background as well, but she also had a lot of people who really loved she and had respected. People in her corner. Yeah, like Brand had absolutely <laughs> no one in his corner. Zareth didn't really have anyone in his corner. You know? Although I guess I mean Brand had Rise in his corner. That's eventually. fair. Yeah, for a little bit. For a little yeah. bit. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like the 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 timetable of this story eluded me a bit until we read the short story there were a few things i was surprised about in the short story <laughs> yeah he doesn't yeah. spend a lot of time with rise right i'm not 100% clear on because in the story and i guess we'll get to it but uh i think they've been together a few weeks it says when we kind of see but it's only like a day or two that we see of them interacting and i don't know how far along that relationship was and before the turn happened. So it could have been months, maybe even a few years at, at most, I would hope, right? But who yeah, knows? Although on the other hand, they were on their way, I think, to pick up one of the runes, right? And Rise yeah. said that they were at least a few weeks out. So it could have also just been a few weeks because if he just grabbed the first thing and was like, oh shit, I could use this. It may have just been then that that happened. Just a, like a month total? If they been traveling for a few weeks and then there are a few weeks yeah you're probably right unfortunately yeah (laughs) i think there's pros and cons to it being that way it makes a lot more sense for him to turn on rise so quickly um and to just be impatient for power but it's a lot less painful of a relationship (laughs) whereas if rise had been training him for years that would have been more of a heartbreaking betrayal 
Yeah, and I think like given, especially when you read the comic, like especially given the I guess hatred that Brand has towards Rise, it's a lot for mm. what you'd expect from having known him for like one month. Like you'd expect like even if you were to become a, a creature of pure power and hatred, like I mean, let it go, man. You only need the guy for a month. <laughs> <laughs> There's bigger fish to fry. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, I guess that kind of highlights, in my mind, one of the biggest pieces we're missing in all of this, which is seeing what ha- kind of that, that fall and that betrayal, whatever you want to call it, the kind of the, the conclusion to that relationship. And I think getting that is the thing that I need the most when it comes to Brand, to really understand him, right? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Are, are, is it really... Um... I mean, is Keegan dead is kind of how we're feeling? Like, is Brand like a new creature? So, old lore compared to new lore. Oh, okay. Ooh, here we old go. Old lore, yeah, he would be dead. And Brand yeah. is a kind of an ageless creature that just takes over the, the body. New lore, though, I think I think Keegan is technically still there. Um, but, like, like, his memories, at least, are still there. Mm. But he's just kind of lost who he is. Um, because in the comic, like, he definitely, like, he remembers everything that he went through with Rise. And he mocks him constantly for failing him as a teacher. For that one <laughs> month that he couldn't quite learn everything. <laughs> but what a month, man. <laughs> what is he, like, 12? Calm down. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think in this one, he's not, uh, he's not necessarily just, like, a vessel for the brand being anymore. I think he just has, like the he's just been corrupted by the stone like by the stone's power yeah 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 that was my reading of it but i think it's a it's definitely a good question to raise and it was something that i'm still not i'm not 100 percent on we can only guess because it does say that i think the exact wording is that his soul is burnt away and it's not clear what that that means exactly um yeah, we don't know how souls work. Like, is his soul in the spirit realm? Then what's what's inside? <laughs> what's left there? Yeah, I will say in this one, I think more than any of the other ones we've talked about so far, there's there's a lot of, I wouldn't necessarily call it conflicting information, but there's a lot more guesswork that we have to do than a lot of the other ones. There's a lot of uh, potential connections, but they're not, like, strictly... Uh, called out so like oh maybe this is it but I don't know if the timeline's align or like maybe this is how it works but like is this old lore or new lore because a few of them get confused <laughs> yeah well I mean I know for a fact that the bl- the blurb on his universe page is explicitly old lore and is wrong it, it's, <laughs> oh it's, really yeah the little blurb on the universe talks about the old lore which involved him just being he was actually a reaver or a raider I think and uh, him abandoning his compatriots to go seek out this world rune which is not you know obviously wrong in old lore so i think there's a lot of that happening here too although same name which made it doubly confusing <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah like great awesome they liked the name keegan they were into it yeah <laughs> it's it's striking i guess you could say i don't know it's, don't mind it it's a good name um so do we want to jump to the short story then uh yeah for sure i'll um i'll try and summarize that as much as or as as painlessly as possible it's, it's pretty long um, and i would definitely recommend reading it to supplement the bio uh, but we'll just try and hit the major points so as we said it is following rise and keegan about a few weeks after their their initial meeting um, they are traveling to a non-specific location somewhere in the northwestern frail yard ostensibly we would guess to go get a world rune or a fragment of a world rune which i know that sometimes it's just pieces of them not like the whole rune i don't know the details of any of that, but I think it does mention that it uh, is a piece. Anyway, uh, so Rise is kind of acting as a an adopted master mentor to Keegan, and he is starting to train him to use his inherent magic. Something in the bio that I don't think they did a great job of kind of pointing out is that Keegan does have this sort of internal magical ability, um, and we only kind of see that in this this story for the most part. But that's there. He's kind of teaching him, uh, and Keegan is obviously struggling. He is impatient I think was a word you would use Rebecca and that's something they highlight a lot with him he is you know he's I'll say now I think what I liked a lot about this is that it showcases how someone growing up in the frail yard could end up really fucked up where it's just this completely harsh inhospitable environment and he's just a creature of of almost just raw instinct just who just lashes out at things that he perceives as danger with violence Um, so he's having trouble with the magic 
the relationship I would say is kind of genial, but there's definitely tension between them, which I li- I liked a lot as well. The kind of edge that goes on while they're interacting, um, and as they're traveling, Rise is telling, you know, Keegan about Sharima, and Keegan doesn't even believe him that there's a place where there's not snow and ice, <laughs> which I thought was neat. Mm-hmm. Um, and as Rise is teaching Keegan, we do get some insights into the nature of magic in Runeterra. So we we kind of get that magic energy kind of is just everywhere at all times throughout the world. Most of the things we associate with it, like talismans, spellbooks, etc., are attempts to control magic, to bind it to one's will. And Rise very much insists and is trying to teach that you can just influence it and suggest it, do what you want, and that's all you need. And when you're able to do that, the real issue becomes not using magic and not giving in to that, that temptation. Foreshadowing, right? <laughs> uh, so one night, they're... They're, they've got a fire going and, and Keegan's sleeping and then most of the story kind of goes into the dreams he's having or really just kind of flashbacks to his past and we see a lot of his you know what happened to him to, to mess him up so bad so we see him at seven interacting with his mother uh, Krezia Krezia K-R-E-Z-I-A it comes in at like the very end of the story yeah um, whatever her name is <laughs> and we see like we said that she is she is very uncaring she's re- Approachful is that a good word to yeah, use? Yeah, I think so. There's even like a there's an instance where he she touches him and it's he talks about it being this super rare occurrence of her even having contact like physical contact with him. So very much a massive distance between the two, and he kind of sees that she is very spiteful of him, kind of hates him as a result of the relationship between her and the father, which is something we should talk about to try and deduce what that is exactly. <gasps> <God>. <laughs> Are we going to have, like, almost back-to-back rape discussions about this fucking... <laughs> this one, I this one I have, I'm, I think, is up in the air much more than Azir because of a specific line. But we'll, we can, you know, we can delve into it because it does raise that question for sure, right? Anyway, so then we skip forward a little bit to him at about 13, and he meets a girl named Svana. Uh, Svana is one of new arrivals coming from a clan that has dwindled. Her father needs healing, and while they are going to the village to bring the herbs, they're talking... And we kind of get some insight into Keegan, again, being massively isolated, having no one around him. She says that she'll be his friend. And so this is likely his first friend. And we kind of, I would pick up from context clues, maybe the, the beginnings of a small childhood romance. Now, i not 100% if it was reciprocated or just a one-sided thing. <laughs> I read it as they had kind of had something and it had fallen away. But anyway, skip forward a little bit to him at 16 during a solstice celebration, which... The way they describe it almost reminded me of like a, a prom type situation where everyone's getting drunk and all the, the young teenagers are swearing love and fighting each other. And the next day is like, oh man, I can't believe I told her I loved her. What the fuck am I going to do? <laughs> anyway, so Keegan's been fire dancing, which the, the boys do to impress the girls apparently. Uh, but he can't find Zvana and eventually goes and finds her at the shore where she is being betrothed to someone else in a kind of quasi arranged marriage thing but it it does definitely state that she did not say she had the ability to say like no I don't want to do this and and didn't and is engaging in it willingly so uh, Keegan confronts her and she kind of rejects him and he's willing to accept it which I, I liked that he was willing to say okay I can get past this but then he's confronted by Rigan who's the I guess founder and patriarch of this Rigan's Reach village and Rigan talks some mad shit and he gets a group to to drag Keegan away and Keegan just again defaulting to that violent instinct sw- swings for the first person he can hit and he cracks Svana's dad right in the fucking jaw and breaks it um, which is not a good look I suppose uh, fast forward again to Keegan at 19 and he's burning his mother on a funeral pyre I think she died from disease because there's a line he has later on saying about the disease was not what killed her but I mean literally that is what (laughs) what did kill her but uh, so one person does actually show up uh, despite what the bio says and it's well it's three people it's Zvana with her her husband and their their young son Uh, Zvana informs Keegan that Ryan is going to make him leave the village now that his mother's gone and Keegan says he's he's fine leaving he's going to go out and go search for his father probably will go die but he's he does a, a really I don't want to say good job, but Keegan a lot is always kind of keeping things internally. He's very rarely, he'll know like, I'm probably going to fucking die, but I don't want to say that is, is kind of the way that he, he operates a lot. And he's like, okay, I'll leave. I'll go get some supplies in the village. And Svana says, 
Oh, and also, you're not allowed in the village anymore. Rigan's <laughs> also banned you from going in the village. So that night, Keegan sneaks into Rigan's home and wakes him up at wakes uh, Rigan up at knife point, and he gets some last words in, kind of talking about how, like I said, it's not the disease that killed my mother. It was you all. You killed her every day by keeping her out there, and you want to kill me as well by forcing me to leave. And it's then revealed that the home is filled with oil. I did like at the start of this whole scene, uh, Rigan wakes up and he smells the oil in his nostrils, but the reveal doesn't come till till much later. So it was a nice uh, sensory detail, I guess I would say, to kind of foreshadow a little bit what about what we all know is about to happen. Keegan throws a lantern, leaves. He's laughing the whole time, even though his uh, he does get burned <laughs> on his face in the process. Now, winds carry that fire through the village. Keegan sees that Things have gotten way out of hand after he's, he's walked off for a bit. Comes back and finds Savannah and her husband and child, her whole family, amongst the dead. Uh, which is a very shitty thing to have to for him to kind of realize what he's done. Uh, and eventually he he just he leaves the, the village and goes wanders out into the tundra and resigns himself to die in a cave until Rise shows up and, and saves him, essentially. So, snap back to reality out from the, the, <laughs> the dreams. Uh, the next morning, Keegan is asking Rise about magic and its origins specifically, and he's pointing out that you know everything comes from something, so magic must come from something, right? And he kind of postulates that, well, if you could control where magic comes from, you could truly control magic. You wouldn't have to worry about you know bending it to your will or suggesting it, as Rise has kind of said. Now, unknowingly, he's he's pretty much talking about the world ruins, which is a very interesting thing for him to just you know stumble upon through his own logical thought process. And upon hearing this, Rise tells him. Uh, we will discuss this at later juncture. You're not ready. But Keegan very clearly sees fear in Rise's eyes and notes that fear is a weakness and weaknesses are to be faced and conquered. <laughs> and that's that's the end of the story, essentially, is that. So I, I guess, so first thing, it was just kind of a random quote. Like you mentioned, they have kind of a... I wouldn't necessarily call it a contentious relationship, but like there's there's awkwardness between them. Like Rise is super educated, like he's been around for a very long time. He just knows a ton of stuff, and Keegan is like literally a, a, a Freligordian barbarian. He knows nothing other than like the cave he lived in and the tiny town he grew up in. So Rise is constantly saying stuff that he doesn't understand. There was kind of a tension between them, and a quote I liked was like Rise broke the tension by saying, "There it is." The wisdom of a barbarian who cannot yet read nor count past the number of fingers on his hands. And like that was the thing that made Keegan like smile and be like, <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> it seemed like such a weird thing to break the tension. I mean, I kind of I, I like it. I, I liked the relationship between these two. And that's why I would love to see them, the eventual kind of fall, because I would like to see the conclusion to it. And I can see how, yeah. you know, Keegan could kind of be willing to let his, his guard down at least a little bit when dealing with Rise, because Rise is kind of willing to be honest with him uh, in that way. Uh, so I, I like that as a, a detail, I guess I would say, between the two. Yeah, I liked um, how often Keegan wanted to hide that, how embarrassed he was. That was very real when you're around someone who you know, is a lot more educated than you are. There's a lot of self-consciousness that happens and, and you'd want to kind of hide a lot of your ignorance. So that was a little detail that I liked. Yeah, there's a lot of internal monologue like, oh, I sh should I say this or should I say nothing? Yeah. <laughs> if I say nothing, maybe yeah. you won't think that I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For sure. I mean, I, I I thought they did a really good job in this of just a step, like really making feel Keegan, Keegan feel very rounded out and very fleshed out as a character. He's... He's got some kind of, he's got some nice insight, you know, wisdom versus intelligence. He's very insightful in terms of how he can kind of perceive what people are. And they kind of hint that maybe some of that is the result of his, his magical abilities, that he can kind of understand what people are thinking or what they're, I don't know, feeling in a way that is not just natural. But even still, he's got a very, there's a sharpness to him in that way that belies his, uh, you know, barbarian upbringing and, and ways, you know. Yeah. Uh, the writer of this, by the way, was uh, Aaron Dembski-Bowden. I, I also really liked the the breath exercise that, that Rise had Keegan mm. do as kind of a way to demonstrate how you should think about magic, where he kind of had him hold a breath and then 
you know, Keegan was like, I'm going to hold this breath as long as I can. I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to hold it until I pass out. Damn it. <laughs> uh, and Rise was like, you know, I just told you breath doesn't belong to you. It's just something that goes in and it goes out, but you held on to it much like you're trying to hold on to magic. That's why the magic isn't working for you. <laughs> you need to like let it in and let it out. Don't try and control it. Also foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a, there's there's a nice bit of foreshadowing kind of peppered throughout here in a way that doesn't feel terribly heavy-handed. You know, it felt nice and natural. And I like Rise also. I know this is not that much about Rise, but I like him as a sort of sort of mentor, but also maybe not somebody who's 100% equipped to be it. Um, so they're both kind of trying to learn and deal with this as they're trying to develop this relationship. The problem is, is that they're they're playing with fire, as it were. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say also, you know, I mentioned compare the the bio to Zareth, but compare this to Azir, in, in so far as embodying someone who has done villainous acts, someone who has done horrible things, but somebody who you might want to see become a hero, kind of like you said, Rebecca, someone who you could root for to to rise up to the challenge and overcome, right? Mm-hmm. Or or be really entertained by the tragedy of them. <laughs> Not not rising up even. Yeah, you know? uh, the story clearing up the idea that he didn't burn down the entire village, uh, <laughs> I think, was an important aspect of of him being a bit more sympathetic. Yeah, that was a roller for coaster sure. yeah. for me because I know we were reading through the bio and it's like, all right, yeah, that village kind of sucked. Like, I'm in favor of him burning it. And then when you start the story and you find out that he has a friend in the village, you're like, oh my god, you burnt the village with your friend in it. <laughs> but then you actually get to that part in the story and it's like, oh, okay, it was, it was a misunderstanding. You just burnt this asshole's house and <laughs> miscalculation. Whoopsie, whoopsie daisies. Yeah. Miscalculation. <laughs> To be fair, he's really bad at math. He can't count for, you know, past 10. So <laughs> It was a calculated risk, but man, am I bad at math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. There's just a lot of details in here that I really enjoyed. I, I mentioned it before, but I really like him you know, hearing about Shirima and not not even believing it. Mm. It's like, okay, yeah. Somewhere where it's not snow. And Rise is saying, they're like, how do I even explain this to this guy? And he's like, okay, what the fuck ever. Or Rise starts trying to explain what the Aurora Borealis is. Oh, like, I love actually, that, yeah. <laughs> and just abandons the idea immediately. Like, no, yeah. whatever. Because they're laying there looking at it, and uh, Keegan was like, the gods are angry tonight, or something, something along those lines. Yeah. And Rise is like, actually, it's not gods. It's just the actual... Never mind. <laughs> You're not going to get this. And I think that made a yeah. lot of sense, knowing how long they had been traveling together. Because I think at the beginning of the story, I had assumed that they had been together longer. It wasn't kind of until closer to the end of the story that you i think see how long they've actually been together so like seeing that they've only been together for a few weeks like i really liked all the times where rise specifically had to go out of his way to be like what is worth attempting to explain and what is worth just kind of leaving up to his imagination like i don't want to come off condescending but (laughs) (laughs) what what would he know for sure for sure I don't know. I thought the writing was just, was very strong. There were there was an echoing of moments where where Keegan will s- kind of see something in someone, and it very much cements almost like his perspective of how they view him. The strongest one being, of course, when he kind of sees that he asks his mom if she hates him, or is that why she hates him? And there's a, and she pauses, and he can just tell that's the pause is what I needed, right? Or or that moment at the end when he he sees that fear in Rise's eyes, and it kind of cements for him Rise is not infallible. Rise as somebody who, you know, I could be better than at some point. And even that little interaction with Zvana at the, I guess I would say like the funeral pyre, where he can kind of tell before she even says it, I'm not going to be allowed back into the village. Am I? She, she she does tell him, but he and he uh, infers it or kind of, again, has very, very sharp insight into people and can kind of pick it up before he even doesn't need to be told, you know. Yeah, he's he's an interesting character. It was definitely a story that actually does make you feel and learn something about the character that they're talking about, which uh, is actually a little, not rare, but <laughs> not as common in a lot of the stories that we've been reading. I think rare is a fine word to, to use. <laughs> we'll see. We're only on the Bs, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With our sample size, I guess you would say. I was gonna say I, I'm just pu- I'm just pulling out moments that I really enjoyed. I really liked when he's he's gone back to the village and the people there are they're cursing him, but you know 
ironically, they're not cursing him for what he's actually done, which is the, the fire. <laughs> they're cursing him because of the beliefs that they have about him, right? And it's yeah. it's a nice sort of poignant irony. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Like, oh, we don't think you started the fire. We do think you're responsible for it because you're bad luck. <laughs> yeah, I don't, it's yeah. so weird. Yeah, it's strange. Um, I definitely think the writing is import- an important factor about why it works well. And, uh, like, pulling something out that I think is done well is the dialogue, which I don't think I've gotten to say about a story yet. There have been stories. I think the the Akali one was really well done as yeah. well in that respect but uh dialogue can be tough and i think it's it's done well here yeah actually speaking about the infallibility of rise i think one of the dialogue bits that i liked a lot too was when keegan first brought up to him like something you said the other day sounded Mm, like a lie yeah and he's like i am a lot of things and a lot of them aren't good (laughs) but i'm not a liar (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. i i I kind of broadly to me he's a key and it's okay so the first thing I would say is that the only issue I kind of have with all of this is that I feel like we're not talking about brand we're talking about Keegan mm-hmm. if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah um which is kind of what I want to I, why I want that third piece because I think that would help bridge that that gap between brand as we see in the comics versus uh Keegan as we've seen him here um, but I was gonna say Keegan is a better Anakin than Anakin <laughs> Uh, uh, that's how i saw it i don't know yeah i I see what you're saying i agree yeah for sure but i i still like you said there there are some pieces missing and i don't see keegan and brand as the same person and maybe i'm not supposed to but i'm like i'm i I just i forgot we were talking about brand yeah we (laughs) need an atrox we need a story like atrox like through the eyes but like written by the person who wrote the keegan story (laughs) for sure yeah, I would love that. Something to help, like I said, bridge that gap for sure is what I would really like here. Mm. So do we want to talk about, I think the only thing we haven't touched on in the story in the bio that we kind of talked about a little bit was Keegan's father. Do we yeah. know anything? Yeah. Well, you know, John, I don't think, like I said, we don't we have, have a lot of context specifics. clues to go on. And that's context about clues. it, unfortunately. We know that he was a raider who was considered an enemy of the tribe. We know that the similarities that Keegan's mother sees in him to his father makes her hate him. Mm-hmm. And those are the context clues we have to go on. <laughs> so whether like there was a legitimate relationship here and then he just left, which is also possible, or whether it was the darker of the two options, which unfortunately is likely the most common in an invading uh, marauder <laughs> sense. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly true, and it was something that played in my mind the whole time trying to understand what is the context. Now, I it's interesting that you mentioned the bit about her kind of hating her, his father through the you know his his image. I guess you would say like through his you know seeing him echoed in in Keegan's face because in that same line there was a, a line where she says, uh, you know, his eyes always looking at me, his crime always there to remind me. Which, you know, what that crime is is a very big question. But she also then says, and now his words, his spite thrown in my face, which would make me think that they had some sort of verbal exchanges, right? Something that would point to them, you know, having a tumultuous and ultimately failed relationship. That's that's kind of the the life preserver that I'm throwing yeah, out here no. for, for this whole piece <laughs> is that line right there. I, I agree, Mark. I wish they would have gone into more detail, and I don't know if the writer just doesn't understand the implications that he was throwing out by being so vague. But, uh, yeah, I agree. If this was just an assault in response to some kind of raid, it it she wouldn't know anything about this man except maybe what he looked like so i think yeah. when she's talking to keegan and says like you really are your father's son in regards to like how he talks to her i think that implies that she knew him in some way which not not to say that that erases the idea of an assault was possible but it, it does it's not like it was a quick raid the thing i was going to say about that though is i think there's a bit of a there's actually a bit of a conflict in in my opinion between the bio and this story in terms of what is the source of their hate because in the bio it, it says almost ex- explicitly that it's because he's a re- a reaver bastard is the the the, mm-hmm. the epithet that they use for him 
and that's why they're they're isolated. But in the story, we definitely much more get the sense that it's her her magical abilities is what oh, okay. kind of sets her away. That's the, at least that was the read I got off of it was mm-hmm. and contributed to why they also didn't like Keegan. Is it? I mean, they also talk about this idea of him because he's got this blood of this enemy in him has kind of fucked up this this line this uh what's the word when it's you know i don't know the word is escaping me when it's okay. hereditary that's the word yeah oh, okay. this hereditary sort of line has been broken or tainted by this so my read was that the magics are now considered to be you know have turned dark or something like that mm. but i think it's a conflict between the two she does specifically when like <clears throat> when i mean they also outline a lot of instances where Keegan like gets into fights in town and things like that and one thing that she specifically says was like don't give them any reason to fear you as opposed to like you know don't be a dick and make them hate you (laughs) which would be like what you'd expect to hear from someone who's just causing a fight but it's more of like a don't make them think there's anything here that's like not here like (laughs) yeah and I know that for example in that scene where he has woken up where he's he's in Rigan's hut and he's got the knife to him. Rigan sees the knife and he's like, "Oh, that used to belong to that witch, uh, Frieza or whatever, whatever her name her name was." Um, and it is rumored to have been used in blood rituals. And so even Rigan, you know, who's the leader of this whole place, buys into these stories. And I that to me helped cement this idea that uh, the the fear comes from superstition. I know uh, Keegan will refer to them as like superstitious animals and. You know what killed her was your your fear and, and hatred of of this. I think it all. I think the magic is is what we're supposed to take away from this as the the thing that keeps them at arm's length, if that. Right. I like. I also. I just prefer that interpretation because it's less grim. Uh, <laughs> agreed. <laughs> yeah. So now the last bit of lore I think that we have actually does touch a bit on. Brand as Brand, as opposed to Brand as Keegan, (laughs) which is nice. This is the comic, The Burning Lands. So this mostly follows Rise. Uh, Basically, Rise is in Shirima hunting for world runes. So the the way it's kind of described is Rise collected a bunch of world runes, and then he hid them all across the world, um, separate from each other, hoping that no one would be able to collect them. Now that Brand has a lot of power given that he has the the power of one of the world runes he's now able to search for them and actually undo all of the magical bindings that rise put in place to protect them so rise is now going around the world collecting all of the ones he had previously hidden to try and protect them from brand uh so he's in shirima and he actually sees brand in the distance going after one of the runes he knows is there so he and um a uh, a woman kala who's the head of a Shuriman tribe, um, but she's getting older, so she's kind of stepping down. Um, she and Rise follow Brand uh, down into some old ruins in Shurima where, where the rune is hidden, and Rise breaks the runes. Uh, they're kind of being attacked this whole time by these... Uh, creatures that were twisted by the power of the rune these old like people technically <laughs> that, that used to live here that have been corrupted by the power of the runes <laughs> um they're attacking them so rise undoes the protection spells he had put on the rune and enters but then of course because he had lowered the protection spells brand is immediately there too and they fight each other while they're busy fighting and distracted kala attacks brand easily just kind of knocks her aside <laughs> Uh, and she lands pretty close to where one of the world rune, like where the the rune has been knocked to the ground. So she picks it up, and is immediately kind of over overpowered by the the, the sheer power of the rune. And she asks Rise, you know, can I can I use this power to bring back my dead sons? And Rise is like, yeah, technically, but not like <laughs> not like you think, and not like you're gonna Bad want. Answer. <laughs> Bad answer. No. He's not a liar, though. He's not a liar. Yeah, that's true. If he's he's a lot of things, not all of them good, but he's not a liar. <laughs> uh, at this point, as soon as she says that, Brand starts mocking Rise. He's like, "What are you gonna do, Rise? Do you have the strength to kill her before she's corrupted, or are you just as weak as you used to be? Are you gonna fail another apprentice?" Luckily, it doesn't come to that. 
Kala has the strength to give the rune to Rise, and the two manage to escape the crumbling temple together while Brand is vowing vengeance on the two of them. Uh, they get to the surface, and Kala's kind of like, is, is he going to follow us? He seemed pretty strong. Um, but Rise is like, nah, 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 nah. He's, he's used up his his power for now. He's just going to slumber for a bit. His ulta, kinda, his ulta cool down. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's kind of an interesting little bit about Brand. I guess he, he, he goes in spurts, and then he gets real tired and has a little lie down. <laughs> I wish he didn't use the word spurts. <laughs> <laughs> He just climaxes That's... all over, and then he's got to take a nap. <laughs> uh... So yeah, that's that's Burning Lands. That's the comic. Uh, if you want to read it, don't go to Rise's page or Brand's page. It's not there. Just just search for the Burning Lands on the Googles, and it'll still take you to Universe, despite how hard the comic actually is to find on the Universe page. You know what it is, is they are getting you into the mindset of Rise, where you got to trek long distances to get the fucking <laughs> the secret knowledge. Everything's a puzzle. Yeah. I do like how Brand is is mocking Rise, saying that like he's the one who failed in Brand, like giving in to the power of the rune. You know what I mean? He's like, oh, Rise, are you going to fail another apprentice? And the new apprentice is just like, no, man, here. <laughs> it's like, well, Brand, maybe this wasn't Rise's failure. Maybe it was yours, bro. But now he's yeah, powerful. It's fair. It's fair. Until he needs his nappies. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say, kind of to your point, Rebecca, I do wish that Rise was put a little, a little bit more through his paces in this and did have to make more of a decision rather than you know this this person just randomly being able to say no to something that, from everything I've seen about world runes, are massively. It's like the One Ring. It's like saying someone actually. Get, it's like a. It's like a Frodo Baggins over there, man. Given being yeah. willing to give, give that stuff up. Yeah, I was thinking about um the Adventure Zone uh balance like the oh, yeah. the artifacts there and how they're supposed to. Everyone's very tempted by them. Maybe if Rise's new apprentice was somebody that we knew in some way or had some kind of connection with, that would have made more sense. But you're putting a lot of growth on this side character who we've never met before. Yeah, especially sure. after it's been kind of said that Rise's master himself, who Rise always considered was like much had a, had a stronger strength of character than even Rise did. Like he gave in to the temptation oh. too. Like, <laughs> who's Kala? Damn, yeah. she's powerful. <laughs> Can we get a champion for her? And maybe she'll show back up again. I was gonna say, is she a Runeterra card yet, Mark? Oh, they haven't done Sharima yet, have they? Mm. Well, I'll have to keep an eye out for her then. You know what? I would. I'll bet five dollars right now that she does end up. No, what? No, I shouldn't do that because no, it's not on the <laughs> universe page. No one knows who the fuck she is. No, that's true. That's true. <laughs> she would be a good one, but she won't be probably, unfortunately. Yeah. She, I don't know. I thought, yeah, she had a very distinctive look. She had a very cool scarring on her face. You know, the type of thing that you would expect from someone who's easy to, you know, recognize. What is it with Rise and scarred people, too? Because we know Brand right. had a scarred up face. I don't know. Yeah. It's his thing, I guess. Yeah. It's his thing. <laughs> Sure. Uh, do we have any other thoughts on this before, John, are there any AUs for you to dive into? So while there aren't technically AUs, um, there are there are a few cinematics and, I mean, there's like, there's kind of like the unofficial, like he, he shows up like Brandle Van, or uh, Vandal Brand has a cameo <laughs> in like Punches and Plants, but like not an official skin AU or anything like that. Um yeah, there there are a few cinematics, and we have we're we're going over our very first champion who has a, uh, Lee. Oh God, I forgot the name of it already. Wait, real quick, is he not in the League academy? Judgment. Brand's not. Yeah, in the is academy he not in the academy AU? adventures? I couldn't find him in there. <gasps> I think that's the first one. Is one who's not been in the academy <laughs> <Ryan>. adventures. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't see him in there. That's fucking shocking, uh, frankly. I know, right? I'm really shocked. I would have thought he'd be like a cook or something, and the kids <laughs> cook over his flaming uh, body. Or maybe like a pottery, he runs the kiln. Like <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it's the pottery. Maybe soon. It's still ongoing, maybe, so, you know. Sure. 
they'll get them all. They'll yeah, right. Give, give me, give me pottery brand, Riot. Come on. <laughs> so, brand may or may not be in the Rise cinematic. Now there are some questions here. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess Rise himself probably for sure isn't, but. So there is one Rise scene. Himself isn't. Him? Or sorry, Brandon oh himself. Okay, sorry, yeah. uh, <laughs> there is one scene in the Rise cinematic where Rise is looking over a a, a huge amount of fiery destruction, which unfortunately looks like it could be two things. <laughs> it could be one the the brand destruction from brand's bio where he you know held the the rune and then just blew up that whole whole area or it could be the thing from rise's bio where kind of his hometown got destroyed as like the first thing of the rune war there are reasons why it does and doesn't work for both i think i am more inclined to think this is not the brand version um I will say the right before that scene, there's a quote in the video that says, others seek to claim this power for strength, balance, and then they really linger on, or control, which seems just like such a callback to the whole thing Brand was talking about, about wanting to control the power of the world runes instead of letting it flow through. And then he goes on to say, I was weak then, naive, which also really sounds like <laughs> they're talking about Brand. Uh, but, um, when you look at uh, one, one thing in the cinematic during that scene, he doesn't have the scroll on his back, which he know he had when he picked up Keegan in the first place. Um, that's a really, that's a really good catch. <laughs> I didn't notice that, but that's an excellent catch. Which would imply it was before, but in, in Rise's story, it also does specifically say that his master Tyrus was on the peak with him overlooking the the catastrophe and he's alone on that peak um but i will say that the the kind of tipping point for me is that if you actually look at the rune terran map there's kind of a feature on there where you can toggle like story bits and you can see parts of the map that factor into different stories and there is a section right next to the coast right in front of kind of like a big section of the coast that looks like it's been carved out maybe by some sort of mysterious explosion like talked about in Rise's Lore. Uh, and it says that that is where that scene takes place. Um, so that kind of leads me to believe that it's the the Rise storyline as opposed to Brand. Um, but still, not confirmed either way, I don't think. <laughs> I'm, I'm heavily inclined to, to think that it it is what we have described in Rise's bio uh, because there's a line in there about... You know, it carving such a great swath from the earth that the sea rushed in. And when you go and look at the map, because I also was looking into this. Yeah, it, like you said, it's very clearly, you know, yeah, exactly. Like a, a bay that has been kind of man-made or quasi-man-made. The other thing I was going to say is that I know in Rise's bio, his hometown, Com, I think it is, K-H-O-M, uh, is part of the, the Noxi territories. So proto-Noxus. And when you look at the architecture on the buildings that are getting blown up, to me oh, it shit. read very, very Noxus in in the look of it. So, I if I would definitely say, in my opinion, that's what we're seeing is that's you know, and that that would to me point to him being even more even younger and more naive, right? Yeah. So the other thing that is a potential connection. Um, Though again, not confirmed because who knows timelines and all this shit is in the Zareth story, where remember how we talked about how Zareth tricked Nasus and Renekton to leaving right before the coronation of Azir, so that they wouldn't be able to stop him from doing his evil deeds. Mm -hmm. um, in Zareth's story, it specifically says that he called them away to deal with a being of pure fire locked in a magical sarcophagus. And when Nasus and Renekton returned, it's not said whether or not, like it's not said what, what happened to that being of pure fire. All we know is that they have the magical sarcophagus with them. So uh, whatever was in it, not in there anymore, could have potentially been 
<laughs> called away to deal with uh, Brand and one of his nappy naps. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's possible. I I wouldn't be inclined to say that's probably old lore where we had Brand as this sort of eternal fire entity. And I, I, I don't even know if it's still the case that that's actually... I don't know. I need to go look at that lore again to go see if that's actually what's in there. I would I would guess that's probably a holdover from what he used to be as opposed to what he is now. That makes sense. But that it, it's kind of there. You know, we're talking about timelines as well. You know, if you go and look, and also about the map, if you go and look at Rigan's Reach, you'll see that it uh, it's supposed to have been burnt down centuries ago by an evil witch and sorcerer. So I think we can... So it's interesting to, to consider that the rise, this, the, the From the Ashes story is taking place like I said, like a couple centuries, a couple hundred years from where, you know, current day Runeterra, whatever that means. Um, and also that those superstitions and those things that were kind of at the root of all of this are still persisting and, you know, continuing on through the ages, which I thought is a neat touch to include in, in this map piece that who the hell is going to go look at that, right? <laughs> now, was that, um, is that on just kind of the general universe thing or is that kind of in the Ezreal's notes section? Because I'm curious if the... If they're kind of mixing, if that's like an in-character thing, or if they're mixing actual, like, what happened with uh, inhabitants' perception of what happened. Well, I know it's, I, I, I it's whatever hap- you see when you click, you, know, you can click on the little, just like, sit little uh, towns or whatever on the map, and it'll give you the tiny little blurb about it. I don't, that's not the Ezreal, Ezreal's mm. notes. Ezreal's notes are very much Ezreal's voice, right? I think I've, yeah. I've seen those before. Yeah, so I think this is just supposed to be in the region and probably, you know, in the surrounding towns or villages. That's probably the perception. You know, oh, there was an evil witch and her evil son. And the town, you know, burnt down and not every, every, all the survivors probably spread out and, you know, carried that rumor out, right? That would be my guess. Interesting. Although it's weird to know that, like, Maybe we can't trust all the stuff on the map now if we're getting like the the in in lore interpretations of what actually happened as opposed to it's, the, the true story. <laughs> that's really true. It's really something that we should keep an eye out for going forward because I, I kind of assumed that it was all pretty or if it was something that was very biased, we would be able to get a clear read on it. But if you had not read this this story, you certainly wouldn't have any reason to, to doubt it, I would say. So hmm. interesting. It's an interesting aspect. Yeah. So I'm going to touch a little bit on the old, well, the old lore is pretty easy. Uh, originally, Brand was a spirit who inhabited bodies. He was a creature of everlasting fire and was sealed away by a magical ritual until he received a new vessel in Keegan uh, Rod, Road. I don't really, I don't know how to pronounce it. We'll say Road. Rod Hay. Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> um, so... This is the first champion we're going over who went through a league judgment, which is something that (laughs) all new champions had to go through for a specific period of time after the original slew of champions, but before Riot abandoned summoners as a concept. (laughs) (laughs) So in Brand's story, each of these stories goes through two sections, the observation and the judgment. Um, so in the observation section, they're meeting Brand. So basically, Brand is on the road heading to Demacia, and he's stopped by Garen and Lux and a summoner. <laughs> now, they, Brand decides to, he looks at Garen and is like, okay, he's strong. And then he looks at Lux and is like, ooh, she's a mage. I got to take care of her first. And then he looks at the summoner and was like, oh, shit, she can wait. I got to handle this guy and shoots all his strongest magics at them, and the summoner just kind of puts up shields and doesn't care about it because summoners are OP in old lore. (laughs) So he just basically just captures Brand on on his own and then starts takes him to where they do all their judgments and then just starts looking through his memories. Uh, He looks through and sees flashbacks of the ritual that imprisoned Brand originally, as well as the destruction that Brand wrought when he was finally freed. And was basically like, uh, dude, you are way too dangerous to be let free. We cannot let you around, so we will give you two options. We will either uh, do that ritual that I saw in your memory, and we'll just imprison you again forever. Uh, or you can fight. <laughs> uh, you can fight in the League of Legends. 
which old lore, if you didn't know, is a place where champions would fight each other to settle conflicts amongst nations to avoid open war and avoid another rune war from happening. So weird. Yeah. Yeah, Bran's like, ah, imprisonment sucks. So does a leash, but I guess I'll take a leash. So he decides Mm -hmm. to fight for the leak. It's so funny going back and just thinking about that concept. You know, it's... I know. man. God. It it makes me really glad that we don't do that anymore, to be frank. (laughs) Yeah. It was definitely something that was... (laughs) They were, they were stretching for some way to justify why this would be happening, um, which, you know, I get why they did at the time, but I definitely appreciate their decision to be like, no, this is, we've got our lore and we've got our game and they're not connected. <laughs> we're not going to try and force it. Yeah, I don't know. I will see whenever I go back, I say go back, whenever I go and, and look at, like I'll pull up YouTube videos for lore just to try and get perspectives or try and find something that I might have missed. And every now and then you'll see comments by people saying, man, I, I really missed the league. It doesn't make any sense. Why are they fighting? I was like, man, have you read the old lore? It's not, it's not good in my, I mean, in my opinion, I suppose. But I, it's strange to me how there seems to be like a small contingent of people who really, you know, long for those old, those old summoner days. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, last thing is that Rise is also part of the Ignite cinematic. This was Mm. one of the world cinematics, and this was one where they specifically animated um, highlights from previous worlds. So Bran shows up here, uh, reliving game two of the season one world final match between Fnatic and Against All Authority. Oh my god, against yeah. all authority. Yeah. It's a name I haven't heard. teams <laughs> in the very first finals, even when the league was just, even when the world finals was just North America and Europe, North America still can't make it to finals. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping the tradition alive, baby. Oh, we know. <laughs> I do like the video. I always like uh, General Odd Ones salute. Oh, and then, yeah. You know, Baron Catch. It's great. It makes me. It makes me well up, you know, a little bit. It's like, oh man, yeah. This is Aww, good. I, li- I like the video. I like the song. And if you ever, uh, League of Legends also put out a YouTube video that is actually just all of the specific clips that are being referenced in the video. That's fun too. Just kind of see highlights from previous worlds. Do we have any uh, final thoughts on brand? Maybe not about brand specifically, but I will say <laughs> this story, in addition to what we got with Ash, is making me it's making me warm up to the Freljord. I'll be as a region. I'll be honest, because ah. um, I know you were you and uh, you and I, Rebecca, I think had a similar feeling of uh, it's it's kind of boring and and uh, maybe some of the larger scale conflicts I don't find terribly interesting. But the way through this, they have really fleshed out a lot of uh, boots on the ground type perspectives and seeing different people and how living in or being raised up in that way has affected them has really to me helped you know flush it out and i really i'm starting to like it more and i'm more interested in seeing more of it i guess yeah yeah i don't know why i i didn't realize i would prefer it because personally i don't like um fantasy stories that are about like fighting for some kind of throne or something and a lot of uh i think a lot of other cities or areas of of runeterra involve like I guess a royalty in some way and I find that very uninteresting but yeah Mm. I I do like specifically the mention of uh, Rise saying that people who grow up here they're they're just trying to survive and the survival instinct is the first one always and forever and we forget what that or we don't think about what it could be like to live that way and uh, how it would affect you so yeah I'm definitely enjoying the Freljord and I'm excited to see more people from it Well, yeah. you're in luck. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think yeah, that's another true. thing. <laughs> uh, I don't think we're. I don't think we often finish reading stories and then think like, "I want to learn more about that character because I've really enjoyed what I read so far." Like at least the the ones we've gone over so far. Like that's that's been the minority. So it's nice to read through something and be like, "Man, this was really good." 
now I just want like more of that. Yeah. But with this other side. For sure. <laughs> yeah, like connect for the dots sure. more for me. It was this and like Annie. I had that with Annie that I wanted more. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I was also just going to mention that um, I thought it was interesting that we're again with the frail you're seeing an, a, a repetition of the themes of you know, motherhood um, for better oh, yeah. or worse and how it has shaped characters. Um, it's an interesting kind of through line for this Ash. Those are the main two that I can think of. Anivia, not quite so much, you know, because Anivia was so Sejuani. detached. Yeah, Sejuani for sure. And I'll be curious to see... I don't know what comes up with with Brom. You know, I, I don't think we'll see much of that with him. I could be wrong. Although we, you know, like he has a quote where he's like, "Mother always says," so you know, who knows? But oh. uh, <laughs> um, no, it was, it was an interesting thing to to kind of keep in here. Um, I liked it. Yeah, we've tackled Brand. Uh, thank you for listening. If you are enjoying the podcast, if you could review it on like Apple Podcasts or iTunes or wherever you happen to listen to it, tell your friends, tweet it out. We don't advertise, so the only way <laughs> anyone will hear about this podcast is if uh, some of y'all talk about it, which would be uh, very cool. Uh, and join us next week when we will be talking about the heart of the Freljord, Brom. Brom.